I mentioned um, aimless aimlessness the other day being just like pick up Contemplate this, um, or maybe not contemplate. <laughs> Be more aimless than that. <laughs> of course, it's slightly punning or slightly provocative kind of term because, of course, we, you know, as he feels, we definitely have an aim and we've made distinct choices to be here, and you know getting up in the morning, definitely getting here and going, you know, going against habits and things like that. So there's a lot of intention is, is brought up, intentionality is brought up, direction, a sense of drive. And uh, this is rather like the, when you have a, a, a space rocket and you have the has to get off uh, the Earth's gravity is enormous. Most of it's these huge fuel tanks and great blasting engines to, to blast it out of the pull of gravity. And then when it gets out, it drops off all that stuff. And you've got this little little thing that just happily floats around orbiting orbiting the Earth or to its chosen where it's going to station itself. This is rather like uh, the quality of, of effort, intentionality that's required. We do need to pull out of the, the suck uh, of our habits, compulsive things, which are intensely driven, but we don't, they're so built in, we don't even, we're not, we're not actually doing it anymore, it's just doing us. So that we make a thousand unconscious choices in the first few minutes of a day without even recognizing we're doing it. And so much of that will be um, covered with uh, habits, um, assumptions, um, so forth. And at any time, you know, that the kind of the assumptiveness, the assumptions and the uh, attitudes and the past karma can, can pull us in into what's, say, most convenient, where we don't have to be aware. So the, the gravitational pull of ignorance is towards less and less awareness, more and more habit, more and more just roll along. And now, so our you know, systems can respond to that. And I think I have to put less attention to is better. You know, less attention is better. Automatic is better. Um, things were things that don't touch me better. Things that don't impinge upon me, or you know, I don't have to to take into account better. So, sort of numbing out, really, um, you know, or gliding along in accordance with one's way of habit. So, in, in certainly, we don't get very far 
in terms of Dhamma practice, we just tidy the furniture in the same old room. Um, we don't actually leave home until we put forth that kind of effort to, to pull out, you know, challenge the habits, the assumptions, mm. what I can be with, what I want to be with, and what's right, or so on. So this is the role of that, that primary effort. And the result of that is one can actually come to a place where it's very floating and enjoyable. You know, what habit does is it makes things comfortable or convenient but not enjoyable. The freshness, the brightness, the vitality dwindles when one goes into habit. We, we, we're getting by. Yeah. So we, our systems can swap the precariousness, the vulnerability, the openness that can give us joy and pain. And we, our systems can swap that for a kind of more habitual mode which gives us a sense of, well, I'm all right, I suppose. I'm okay. Getting by. Which doesn't give us much pain, but it doesn't give us any joy either. And that, that's the, what, what can happen, what does happen for people. So, uh, to have joy, you have to have pain. And um, make peace with that. Not just physical, but the, the uh, unchosen. Um, disruptions, the checking of one's habits and so forth. To make the bring the mind out of its self preoccupation. This is the the quality of, of ardor. At the same time, there is the need for um, one's experience to have a quality of freedom to it. Mm. So we're not just reprogramming, but we're using programs in order to take out the highlight, first of all, check check in with the kind of assumptions and attitudes we have. Are these really valid? Am I supposed to be happy all the time? Are things <coughs> supposed to be going the way I like them all the time? Actually, where did that one come from? You know, <laughs> is the world supposed to operate around me? No, in fact, it isn't. You know, that, oh, well, how do we how do we actually, you know, take that on? You know, it's uncomfortable, isn't it, on a personality level? Yet when you're living under a discipline in the community, you know, it's quite obvious things are not going to go my way. And that's how do we accommodate that. So the freedom really occurs you know, freedom from oneself, 
is is a brief or freedom from habit, really. The first level of habit is, of course, the habits of one's own uh, programming. What would it really be like without things going my way? You know, oh, if it's all right. It's not as quick, not as convenient, but I guess it's all right. And gradually one can, you know, we check that time after time. What's it like if I don't, if I'm the one who doesn't get the cake? Oh, I guess it's all right, really. Mm, yeah. Mm. So we keep checking that. What would it be like without without this? And things that I don't particularly feel like I want to do, but I can welcome them. You know, it's all right. So you, you know, one checks these things. And, uh, and then there's a possibility for the, one's awareness to open into something rather larger than this gravitational pull of self-view. One can live in harmony. One can be in sense of sense of a field of experience opening up, a community of experience, which becomes very interesting. The, the, the sense of relationship with, with what's, what's going on. And then once, actually once we learn, we begin to feel that out, you know, relating to objects, relating to people, relating to schedules, relating to these things, then we start to be able to relate to ourselves. You know, rather than just be oneself, you can relate to it. Oh, this is myself doing this. It's feeling unhappy now. I'll just get some sense of there, there, you know, <laughs> whatever is needed, you know, uh, to, to relate to it rather than just be it. So that you know, freeing up habit-bound attention does give one a little more agility to, that comes back to dealing with one's own internal experience. So you get that. That's the first level of freedom. And that's when we're coming out of the real dense stuff. You know, where we're just so impacted and compelled that there's no reference to that. Yeah. And then we begin to come out of that and we come to somewhere lighter where, yeah, there's some density there and some compactedness and some grief and so forth. But now, See, oh, there's that. Now, I, now we've actually got enough room to relate to it and start bringing things like kindness, patience. And these things arise out of relationship. You know? So you don't really do these things so much as just you know, arrive at a place of relationship and these things start to come out of that field with oneself and with others. This is, if you like, the, you know, when we're cleaning away some of the habit of the chitta, then you get to the level where the chitta is able to respond rather than just go into the program reactions. This is the response system, you know.
Mm-hmm. It's a lot more room there. And it's a little more richly felt and wavering. You get these tremendous, dense, uh, uh, mood things that carry you for days. Did you get responses that just keep, I think we need to soften here. And then, wait a minute, I think we need a little, just a little bit of holding and taking it slowly now. You know, so it's, it's much more delicate kind of steering when you're being responsive. The whole system is much more finely tuned. Mm-hmm. You've taken away the, the heaviness and the drivenness and the compulsiveness. But that, that required, requires effort, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And then you get to the finer levels of, of Assumption like, or habit of uh, being somebody, getting somewhere, progress, arrival, prizes, these kinds of things, in the, in the, perhaps in the practice. Mm-hmm. Is it, is it, or is one able to be here without putting that aside? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's better to do that. You have to have a place to be, a refuge, which I'm saying both, if you like, the refuge as we understand it, the quality of aspiration, confidence, trust in the triple gem. Also something much more tangible, like one's body, uh, uh, one's sense of, of uh, kalyanamita, you know, things that are a little more uh, on a physical level. If you have that experience of refuge, then you don't really have to be a success or get anything. You know. And that you know, t- taking that, you know, there's an opening there, isn't there, where you're coming much more into fuller feeling for the potential in, in this present moment. You know, actually, what's already here. And that you've begun to um, affirm through these foundation practices. And that has to be something we, we assimilate, we, we stabilize within that. And it's possible then for to be able to put aside that nagging need to be reassured by progress or structures or, you know, these things, um, arrival and places, as it were. So the going on, the pushing on, the basic volitional urge, something we can gradually relax out of a very heavy habitual state to a more um, less habitual, in it, less compulsive, but still uh, a strong assumption that it's about you know, getting somewhere and being somebody. You can begin to relax that. And if this is done at, 
you know, in this successive way, then the, the gradual relaxing of volition is accompanied by a heightening of attention. So it's not relaxed position, you crash out or sleep. That only happens it, like if you, if you cut the engines when the rocket's still on the launching pad, it, don't, it doesn't just float, it falls over. You've got to get it out of that, off the ground, before you can start you know, cutting the engines, as it were. And the difference is that you recognize that, that uh, you know, if you're lessening the quality of volition and aim and you're getting dull and sleepy and more dreary, then you haven't actually got off the ground. Or at this particular time, you're still, still on the ground. Your attention is not increasing. But if, you, if your attention, that is your ability to be sensitive, receptive, alive, you know, Tuned is heightened by the lessening of volition. A quality of, of being able to hold the space, if you like, and attuned to what's happening in the body, in the mind, no particular aim. So we call it a heightening of attention. So that, that can occur when we've, you know, used our foundation practices. This is very helpful for, um, you know, laying the, the, the jitta-sankara, the, the karma formations that occur in terms of the, of the heart, the anxiety, the doubt, the worry, the restlessness, the craving, the fearfulness and so forth. Mm. So if you like, your first level of practice, one could say, really creates your refuge ground. And once again, this is the convention, the Buddha, Dhamma, the Sangha, the Dhamma, the Vinaya, the being in your body, the breathing in and out, or whatever it is, your core foundation practice that you've got, becomes something you have access to. And maybe not all the time, you know, not perfect, but you've got access to that as a as a definite refuge resource. And then perhaps being able to to more calm the the, the heart through the easing up the volition, you know, reassuring, laying, not creating higher degrees of perfection that we have to aim for. And that will happen, rather like the, the natural flow you know, moves in that direction. It's like you're now in a, you're now in a, a larger field as its own particular flow and it moves towards clarity and, and calm. You know? And so you, sometimes your efforts actually tend to block that. And the assumptions that are made around efforts you know, do it now. And it, sometimes these things happen rather slowly. There's a certain, you know, as in outer space, a certain drifting or shifting 
um, towards greater sense of trust or ease in oneself. Key really is that, that you know, what one can recognize is the attention heightened, the ability to, if you like, hold, hold the space, stay in the space, not get caught in the ricochets of reactions. You know, a thought comes up, one reacts to it, and then one tries to calm down the reaction, and then one try, thinks about how one can calm down the reaction, and then one tries to, to do that thing that we think will calm down the reaction, and then we find we can't do that thing that we think will calm down the reaction. So we react to that feeling that we can't do the thing that we think will calm down the reaction. So then we think we try and do something else to think about how we can find the system of calming down the reaction. And it's just reaction after reaction after reaction after reaction. You know, you kind of ricocheting, and eventually, oh, 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 oh. You know, I was all right before I started meditating. You know, <laughs> it can just be like that, and then, or then it goes for so long, and then you go, you just have a little moment of falling asleep. You know, because you're tired out. Mind goes into a kind of tizz for a while, and gets excited jumbles around in it, but you just bleh, you know, do a little dull patch for a few seconds and numb out and then react to that. <laughs> so it could just be reactions followed by dullness. So to hold your space is about a, you know, the feeling and the, here comes the feeling. Woo! The arising of a feeling, the subsiding of a feeling. The rising of a perception, subsiding of a perception. This is anicca, the, mm, the wavering of experience. And holding the space. So, this is when you say we have strong attention. It's a, so, in a meditation practice, that all that. The experience can be, you know, what well, you know, encased, if you like, in in the foundation of the body. So, the body is sitting. One is upright. One isn't being drawn out um, externally. Uh, and in a way, what we what we uh, experience as mental and emotional reactions are actually coming out of or supported by bodily energy. It's important to acknowledge that. So shifting as we try as we're learning to hold and refer, you know, is what mindfulness is about. How is this mood, this particular state of mind I'm in, and what's the bodily state that goes along with that? So we get into touch with the somatic or the subtle body experience, not the, just the flesh and blood bones, but the whole you know, bodily awareness experience, how it shuts down or tightens up or, or spins, and then calming the body, easing up the body. So that our holding experience itself is not a rigid thing. Like a, para- like a rabbit in the headlights, kind of. You know. 
being held, but, but something that's, that's handling the experience. You know, you know, there's, a little, there's some movement there. When we handle around it, what's this mood? What's my response to this mood? What's happening here? You know? Not we have to find an answer, but just to learn how to, instead of going blank on a mood or reacting to it or freezing with it, being able to play with it. You know, what would it be like if this wasn't here? Uh, you know, what would it be like if I didn't resist this mood? What would it be like if I didn't um, in, indulge in this mood? You know, follow it, add to it. What would it be like if the you know if the so-called if the topics that this mood were about, the particular person, the particular day, and so forth, what if those didn't exist? If you're kind of taking the food away from the mood, and then you find well, if it wasn't him, it would be you find it's a grumble looking for something to to get into. It's a whinge, you know, a sort of nomadic whinge, looking for something to whinge on, or a fret, 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 something to fret onto. Then you can say, well, you're just taking the topic away from the fret, or the whinge, or the grumble, or the roar, (laughs) or the snooze. So you you can play with these things, and that is not an un, not an unkindly thing, or a or a uh, you know dismissive or scornful. It's actually trying to like a like a judo a person in judo learns to receive their opponent it char- charges, and then how to use the energy of that. So the aim really is not to hurt or harm, but to, to, to in a way to, to work these things out. So the energy of the mood can be re- returned to the heart. So imagine if, if all the energy of our defilement were actually re- returned, you know, to 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 the to the ground of the mind. Not a lot of juice there, huh? So you don't want to just kind of try and lock it all up, cut it down, because you can end up creating a um, you know, sort of a division, and a lot of energy gets used in trying to hold things back, and a lot of energy then is not available. So it's really working these things out within that whole arena of sustained attention. And in this, the, uh, you know, one of the themes is there's no particular aim here. We've used aim, and, and there is a, an aim, if you like, but within this particular module, the whole theme is very much like of, uh, of aimlessness. Aim, aim happens by itself. We've already shot the arrow. It's now in the air. You know, it's already going. So aim is happening. Um, you're, in, you're in a current that moves a certain way. So it's not that there's 
ultimately no aim, but in this particular time we're just putting that aside, the need to, to drive. And instead we're going into the need to, what does it take to hold something? We may think holding is just a matter of clamping or having a particular one thing to hold onto. But I say it's something that's more sophisticated than that. Holding is handling. Holding firm, holding soft, holding big, holding small, holding near, holding far, holding at a distance. You know, the right holding in response to to what is uh, necessary to maintain that quality of clarity, attentiveness, empathy, the ability to relate to the experience, you know, and essentially the whole empathetic thing is, a, is one of healing rather than annihilating. You know. Some of this, you know, does require some firm massage, some of it's softer, but the whole attitude behind it, whether it's hard or soft, is of, you know, for one's welfare, certain dignity about it. So there's that, and there's also a quality of spaciousness. There's time here, there's room here, there's allowance here. So clarity, spaciousness, empathy is the whole, you know, what is all part of what holding. And if, if you see, with those that have no particular aim in, in, the, in the way that I've been talking about it, there's no driving there. There's no, well, if I get past this, I'll get to the next bit. No, that's not there either. It's my aim, if you like, is now, how can I handle this? How can I be with this? What does it want? What is needed? Mm. Like that. And sometimes it might be worth saying, well, perhaps nothing's needed right now. Just, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let it do it what it has to do. Let the feeling be felt. I would suggest that many things just need that. Just to be able to say their bit and move on. You know, and you don't have to believe it or disbelieve it, it just as an energy that needs to somehow discharge itself. So not everything has to be dealt with. And what we begin to discern or, or recognize is that the ground you know, of, of uh, this particular mode of practice, the ground of it is very free. There are our attachments, the clinging, the desperation and that, but the gr- those arise those, those there but the ground of our experience is very free and as you attune to that ground 
you just by attuning to it the sense of what is amplified in one's awareness is that ground of freedom if we overemphasize the the moving and the changing and the um, problematic even with good intention we put so much stress on it we can actually be giving it uh, we can be amplifying it wherever wherever one's attention goes and stays there's an amplification effect and there's more made of that so if you put your attention completely on your left hand your left hand become the whole sensations in that area become dominate one's consciousness the right hand disappears you think about a particular topic then that topic becomes very large and important and significant and weighty for you Uh, similarly if you focus on a particular problematic nature of existence then we can certainly see that and it becomes more and more and more details and that's all true in its own way because that's that's what conventional reality is about it's dependently arisen and the very quality of attending is is you know, giving things attention is a cause for the strengthening and proliferation of that experience so yes there is the problematic but also we need to recognize there's the non-problem this isn't just sort of a denial you know no problem at all but to acknowledge the no problem as a, as a ground, as a, as a place to stand so that we can relate to the problem. And you might say, many of those, some of those problems, I don't know what percentage is, some of them would just say, fine. And they will just kind of roll along and, pe- and butter out. You know. They've had their say, they've done what they need to do. Something's been learned, some shift has happened enough. You, know. you don't have to do anything about it at all but just see it. Some of it you may need to think, well, this needs a little more close-up handling. I need to pull this one apart. What's this based on? Quite investigate. What's this really rooted in? What's the assumption behind this? Investigate it. Something you have to just say, slow down. Slow down. Resist it. It's taking me out of this out of this um, space, out of this holding pattern, resist it. Sometimes there's a need to enhance a particular response, like give this one more metta, more kindness. Hmm. Yeah. We might very well find that uh, in that quality of some vajanya of clear awareness of the whole tone about practice, feeling I think I need just to spend more time checking my body, breath, walking, things are getting losing focus, losing attention. So there's all all that. This is the way we we learn to to modulate our practice. 
But what's it like, you know, to spend some time, 15 minutes, half an hour, having no aim, just to be here? And whatever comes up, just to not react to it, not to race after it, cling to it, rebut it, add to it, just notice the edge of that pleasant feeling, unpleasant feeling. You know, however, you can just stay with the rising edge of experience. So, with that, you know, the sense of fully attentive in the present moment. So if your attention becomes brighter, richer, fuller, then you know that there's, there's no clinging here. If it starts to get held, dense, confused, then say this is, you know, whether we, whether we understand it or not, we're actually, there's some clinging, some attachments happening. And we need to check out of that, come out of that. You can feel things start to spin or move. And so the, the quality of real aimlessness is quite still. So having thought this, I know sometimes people assume this means, well, just do what you like. No, it doesn't mean do what you like. It means, because that's an aim. What, what I like is definitely an aim. <laughs> no, it means it's more aimless than that. <laughs> so that, that there's a quality of incredible stillness, but it's not a rigid stillness. It's like, it's like a floating lightness, and it's receiving the effervescence of the moment. Uh, and in that we may find, well, you know, actually the attention needs to get wider. You know, there's a lot happening here. If I can't, if I can't, you know, get in there and do things with it, I need to just get bigger space to to accommodate all this stuff. So, you know, find your attention can oof, becomes can become wider, broader, faster. And it, um, this is very interesting, because I, th- I feel that a certain, at a certain point, your attention finds by itself, by that, you know, choicelessness, that aimlessness, the attention it has to do the shifting, because you can't shift within it, so you, your whole field of attention has to do the shifting, and it, this is quite a revelation, um, to find out maybe our attention span has to be much wider, bigger than we normally hold it. You know, quite intense and, and focused and narrowed. Bigger. Uh, certainly something I've found in myself. It needs to be a bit bigger than uh, I normally think attention is, which I think is a kind of very highly compressed state. attention needs to be empathetic not blank not actually quality of, of resonance with it 
Otherwise, uh, again, um, what happens is this uh, sense of either um, waiting for this thing to pass comes up, putting up with it, you know, like your doormat attention, basically. And you start to trample over me until eventually it'll go away, maybe, or I've given up, because there's not enough empathy there. Doormat attention, or the other form of attention is uh, um, doormat, but (coughs) what I call it, it's like um, you feel like you're holding it all. In, in, a, in a heavy way. Pregnant attention, you might call it. <laughs> You've got, you know, quintuplets and sextuplets and octuplets. I'm not holding a lot here. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you don't want you don't want to be pregnant either, but there's got to be some, you know, stuff is going to move around and pass. I think the, the quality of empathy, which is really like, you say acknowledgement may be too strong a word, but at least, you know, not such an intellectual acknowledgement, just an empathetic sounding with what we experience. And that seems to be, in many cases, something that's really necessary for an experience to feel its its path. It's like you have these, these kind of perceptual um, experiences flows, moments, memories that come in, and many of them just need to be said, hmm, to, hmm, oh, whatever. If we just look at it blankly, it doesn't, feel it, it doesn't discharge. So that, that surprising you know, to learn, to find that, and a quality of empathy, it's not Really, coming from me doing it, but quite a, something quite natural, actually. That, that perhaps one's attention needs to to learn that it can be empathetic without fiddling and fussing with things. And the clarity is it's quite being really quite specific. You know, the specific. So another way in which attention can. Uh, be inadequate is we get into a kind of um, anonymity of it all, or a, 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 um, a generalization. A lot of stuff going on. A lot of stuff going on. Uh, I mean, again, it goes a little bit gaga. Uh, particularity of attention. At this moment, it's just this particular thing, and it feels like this, and it's not the same as yesterday. But it's not here I am again. It's got this particular tone to it, and it's affecting in this way. So we're getting more and more the specific. Uh, so these are, if you like, ways in which we suggestions of um, you know how attention needs to come into its fullness, come out of its. Uh, Heldness, you know, or, you know, it's, it's, so it's rather like you know when you're learning um, a dance or a movement. First of all, you're a bit kind of clay-footed, clumsy, and you realize actually your body can can flex and can 
jive, you know, can move around a little more subtly. You can come out of your head, you know, ideas about doing it, something that's a little more intuitive. Um, and then, you know, giving oneself that permission, you can do this, you know. And it's not something that's really told you, the suggestions are given, but you have to get the intuitive quality, uh, feed it out, which means the ability to get it wrong and start again. So all that, you know, is part of that, what can occur within this safe boundary. So internal, jitta then we might say almost prime that, almost this aimless wandering or very slowly moving. Just feeling out sound, sight, touch, how the body moves, how little surges come into the heart when you see something. how plain, ordinary things like a door handle, actually in its specific particularity is quite a wonderful thing. Nothing quite like it in the world. It's that ability to be that aimless, that you get to the door handle and really notice it, because you haven't got to rush through it. Have you met any good door handles recently? Or they all just things you just snatch hold of and fling back. <laughs> Have you heard a hinge? A really? Yeah. <laughs> so you know you can do this externally, but, uh, you know, as well as internally. Some of the external is an easier because you know, it's less um, oneself, less loaded. <laughs> 